escuchando. Hello everyone and welcome to A Better Way. I am your host Craig Booker. In today's episode we will talk about fear and I'll provide some insight into the name of the podcast. To start us off I'd like to play a clip from my upcoming audiobook. To set the stage I would like to begin with a story. For those who are able, I would encourage you to find a quiet place and have a seat, uh, lay down, maybe close your eyes. For those who are driving or who are operating heavy machinery, I'd obviously not encourage that. Now we have that out of the way, let's get started. As I awaken to a pitch black room, I find myself lost, wondering why I'm awake or where I am. Fear is racing through my body as if trying to intimidate the blood occupying my veins. I am cold and shivering and it is still dark outside. Everything in me tells me to get back into the safety of my bed and I feel lost as the time of day. I look at my phone and quickly realize it is early morning and I already feel so behind. I cannot escape the fear that I woke to what seems like only moments ago. My brain is on high alert, keenly focused on my protection, the lens of fear coloring my vision. I hear creaks and pops and wonder if an intruder is in my home. I pause for a moment and wonder if I am in any danger. I soon realize that it is only the house settling. I look outside my window into the darkness and see objects lurking in the shadows. I look again, only to discover that what I saw was just a figment of my imagination. As I head to the bathroom listening for evidence of impending doom, I realize I'm in no real danger. I wonder what has occurred to raise all my body's defenses. But I assure myself that if I make it to the bathroom, I will be alright. Closing the door to the bathroom, I relax, and the fear in my brain slips away. I realize I must have had an intense dream, and the spirit of fear is only temporary. Evening comes, and I quickly remember the terror I experienced less than 24 hours before. I remember the fear which would not let go of my thoughts. I'm curious how my brain switched so quickly from constantly on guard waiting for disaster to being relaxed and restful. What allowed my brain to make the switch? Could I repeat the process? Can I get my brain out of a fight-or-flight state? There were more questions than answers. This true story illustrates how effortlessly fear invades our thoughts and feelings. It distinctly portrays how fear shows up and slips away without us realizing why or how. Fear and anxiety affect humans on so many different levels. While many can relate to having a bad dream, most do not live with the spirit of fear constantly hanging over their heads. I hope that story got you thinking a little bit. Maybe not necessarily about that story, but about fear in your own life. Such as, why does it start? What triggers it? What makes it go away? I did a little research, and this is what I found. Our bodies are equipped with a built-in alert system, and it's known as the amygdala. As our brain detects danger, 
The amygdala floods the body with a stress hormone called cortisol. This process helps our bodies kick into high gear to steer us out of a dangerous situation. So whether that be a car swerving in front of us or us about to fall off the side of a cliff, this serves to protect us. All people experience this process when their bodies sense danger. As the threat subsides, our bodies shut off the alarm and return to an otherwise normal state. We go about the day ready to react should danger arise again. If you've driven a car or rode a bike, you've probably experienced something similar. We all encounter these moments of panic where we have to swerve or do something to avoid danger. None of this is abnormal. You've probably also experienced what it's like for the adrenaline to leave your body. And then you return to an otherwise restful state. So what would you do if your body never slowed down from this fight or flight response? What if your body continues to secrete cortisol and your brain continues to look for the next big disaster? Life-altering trauma is right around the corner, or is it? I know what it's like to live in a healthy relationship with fear, and I have felt what it's like to look at everything through the lens of fear. And while I don't have all the answers, I hope to share what I wish I'd known earlier in life. I've been there. I've lived every moment expecting the worst, waiting for different variations of loss, scarcity, or regret. I know what it's like to be overwhelmed by trauma, so much so that every situation looks like a bad one. One traumatic event after another, until you wonder if your world will ever stop spinning. And then, abruptly, it stops. Like hitting a wall, the disastrous momentum comes to a halt. For a second, you wonder if it'll start up again. When the dust settles, you peek out of your shell to check for signs of danger. Seeing none, you fall deep asleep, exhausted from the descent. As you awaken from slumber, you look around with skeptical wonder. Seeing no signs of doom, you begin to step out from the safety of your bed. Seeking solutions, you visit trusted professionals for wisdom, a roadmap, or a set of next steps. You wonder if this is forever or simply a season of your life. Here is my prayer for you. If you or someone you love is at this point in their journey, I pray God surrounds you with friends and a team of professionals who firmly believe recovery is possible. Someone who never gives up hope, believing God has a full life ahead of you. No matter how bleak the situation appears, I pray this group is there to cheer you on, believing in God's best for your special someone. The phrase, a better way, is more than a cliche we use to describe a clever solution. It is a statement of faith, choosing to believe in God's goodness and the full life the Bible promises us, refusing to accept the you-will-always-be-this-way narrative. In the context of this book, it is actively choosing what we believe, how we view our world, and how we live our lives. 
it is not naively looking at the world through rose-colored glasses. It is choosing to believe in God's goodness and unique plan for our lives. Likewise, it is not an exact formula, a three-step plan, or ten quick tips to heal yourself from mental health challenges. While you or your family might be looking for a roadmap or a modern-day GPS to guide you, let us slow down for a moment. The path for someone recovering from mental health challenges is unlike any other. If you go about this expedition as you might on a road trip or in planning a summertime vacation, you will be drastically disappointed. Each person is unique and there are no direct flights. It does not go from point A to point B. All right, I hope playing that clip was beneficial. And now that we've listened to it, I'd like to unpack some of it. In the opening uh, part, in the opening portion of the clip, uh, you, in the opening story from the clip, I shared that portion to one, tell a story, but two, to also paint a picture for the people that have never experienced fear or chronic anxiety on the level where it's always there to try to help them understand what that's like. Not necessarily to be snarky or, uh, you know, to be smart about it, uh, just to help them gain some insight into what that's like for an individual that is facing that 24 hours a day. One of the more challenging parts of writing this book and telling the story uh, from my point of view, which is a layperson who's just experienced fear and anxiety. Uh, I'm not a scientist, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a counselor. And so one of the challenges with that is, you know, where do I draw the line? How scientific do I get? Or, you know, how far into detail do I go before I begin to lose my reader's interest? You know, you have to provide enough detail and facts and tell the story to give the reader an understanding of what's behind fear and anxiety and mental health. But you don't want to go too in-depth because you're not a scientist, you're not a doctor, and that's not what the reader signed up for. So it's a careful balance of what details to include that help you tell the story and give it credibility, but also not stray too far from telling your story and what's going to be helpful for someone that is struggling with mental health challenges such as anxiety or fear or depression. Uh, it's just a tough balance to strike. Towards the end of the clip, I start to describe how I've been there. You know, I've, I've lived, you know, moment by moment expecting disaster, one after another, something bad to happen. And I really started that off in more of like a conversational tone and less like the first story, uh, simply because I wanted it to be like I was sitting in front of the reader talking to them relating with them on how I, un I get it, like I understand. Um, but as you'll notice, I quickly 
like transitioned, you know, to describing what it's like for a person that experienced trauma to continue to experience trauma and it spirals out of control. And so I was mixing styles there on purpose, hoping to connect with the reader in a different way. And towards the end of that story, I briefly summarize what is typically a long process for many individuals. The process of spiraling and experiencing multiple traumatic events, one after another, where the individual feels like it's never going to stop. You know, part of that, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but essentially it's very true for the individual. Uh, The part about seeking help or waiting for that to stop and then, you know, kind of sticking your head out of your shell and looking for some help from a professional is absolutely true. That process can take a long time to find the right doctor that you're going to trust and go to to look for advice. That process of wanting to know, like, what's next or how do I make this stop or, you know, just understanding how to deal with fear and anxiety that you've maybe never dealt with. Unless you've experienced this before, you really don't know what to expect or what's next or what's step one or does this change or is this the, the new normal for me? Should I just expect for this to keep going and continue? So you're looking for anything. You want a roadmap. You want here is what I think is happening. This is our plan. You want all of that. But essentially... I've never met a doctor that does that. That process of finding a counselor, psychologist, whatever you choose is a long process because no matter what type of provider you choose, you're going to show up, fill out paperwork, you know, the usual, and then that individual is going to have to get to know you. They don't start out typically like where you're at. And so you're going to have to invest time, you know, sessions. Typically, it's like once a week for several weeks before they have any idea of your story. Depending on your approach and where you start, you know, you may go to just your primary care doctor to start out with. And they generally know more of your story, yes, but they're going to turn around and possibly refer you to someone else, another provider, maybe a specialist of some sort. And so the process here that I summarize in one, maybe two sentences is actually a very long drawn out process and very frustrating because as an individual experiencing this, you just want relief. You want the anxiety, the fear, you know, panic if if you're feeling panic, you want that to stop. And that's not typically what you get when you start off going to a provider. Uh, If you end up going to someone uh, that prescribes a medication and does medication management, uh, they will, you know, of course, have to have some kind of intake of hearing your story, what you're experiencing, 
then they may tell you about your condition, uh, what you have based on their observations. It's all going to vary based on the patient. So this is just based off my experiences. Uh, So after they tell you about your condition, they may prescribe medication and tell you a little bit about what to expect with the medication. A lot of times what they prescribe tends to take a little bit of time to take effect. And so it's not immediate. It's not instant. Oh, you know, no, no sigh of relief right there. As a patient, you go to these experts expecting them to go, oh yeah, I know what this is. I know what you're experiencing. I know exactly the condition that you have. And you want a roadmap. You want someone to guide you and to tell you what you can expect. And if this is a condition that's typically like short-lived or if this is like a lifelong condition, and that's the last thing that you get. They don't tell you that, and probably for good reason. But as a patient, that's what you want. You know, you're going through a whole lot, and you want someone to come by and be your guide. But that's essentially not their role. So I hope that story was helpful in kind of describing that in an interesting way rather than just wrote me telling all the details of what that process is like. And so, you know, I hope that was a little bit more interesting. You know, then I move on to a prayer, and I honestly believe that prayer, and I pray that prayer for all of you. You know, we need, when we're going through these experiences, we need a team of professionals that believe in recovery, believe it's possible. You know, maybe they don't agree with your belief in God and what God tells you that he has for you, but you need a team of people that are cheering you on, that believe recovery is possible for you, whatever that looks like. You need someone to advocate for your benefit, someone that's going to fight for you, that's looking out for the best for you, because they want you to recover, whether recovery is being able to go back to the life that you had prior to to this condition, or whether it looks a little bit different. Regardless, you need someone that fights for you and someone that has a plan, you know, that's looking forward to something. While it's certainly a possibility that this individual might not fully recover and go back to the way things were, that's not important. The important thing is that these providers are wanting a full life for this individual, whatever that looks like, not just resigning to say, this is just the way it's going to be. So that's kind of, you know, my feelings behind that prayer. I hope that's helpful in explaining that. Part of that clip was explaining some of the meaning behind the phrase, a better way. And, you know, that really came out of me thinking, gosh, there's got to be a better way than this. It came out of my frustration and pain going through this experience. It came from feeling 
this can't be all God has for me. I read the Bible. I see what he talks about when he talks about us having a full and rich life, and that's why he came. You know, he came to set us free, and that's the complete opposite of living a life enslaved to fear and anxiety. It also comes from things that I've read about neuroplasticity, meaning that our brains are moldable. It's not, you know, that's the way it's just going to be. We can actually reprogram our brains. And so it is a face statement because if you've ever experienced this, knowing or thinking that things could be any different takes faith. So it's combining a little bit of science and faith that God can change your brain. And the last thing that I want to comment on or say, you know, refers to kind of that description of a roadmap of us wanting some kind of modern day GPS to guide us on our journey toward recovery. And I'll say something for both parties that I think are listening to this podcast, which are those people experiencing anxiety and then those people standing beside them, loving them through this experience. First, I'll speak to those that may be experiencing anxiety. You know, you're going to want this roadmap, this magical, you know, 10-step plan to get you towards recovery And I don't want to burst your bubble, but it doesn't exist. I've spent, you know, greater than 15 years looking for it, and I haven't found evidence of something like that. So it doesn't exist in the sense that recovery is not a straight path. You can make a whole lot of progress in one area, in one direction. You feel like you're doing really great. The pace is going really well. And then... You know, either you're dealing with something or processing something that just totally takes you off course. And you seem to take, you know, like three steps forward and 10 steps back or you're going in circles. So I I just want to encourage you to have the right perspective about this. Recovery is a longer topic than we have in just one episode of a podcast. It's something that we could talk about for many, many episodes. So we'll get into it later. But I want to encourage you to not give up and, you know, to do your best not to get discouraged if something throws you off and just derails you completely. Know that there is hope for you. I don't say this as some sort of cheesy cliche. I say this based on my experience. Next, I want to talk to the people standing beside someone loving them through this journey. In a lot of cases, the process of recovery is a long one. So not all, but a lot. So I want to encourage you to pace yourself. I also want to encourage you to take care of yourself because you're going to be tempted to pour all your love and support and energy into helping the person you're next to. And I have to caution you that you're going to burn out and this person needs you. 
So do whatever you need to do to get yourself the resources that you need to be able to support them, meaning it's a good idea to find a good counselor, whether that's at your local church, whether that's you know hiring someone in private practice, find a counselor that you can speak to on a regular basis, whether that's in person or over the phone, it does not matter, whatever suits you best. But you need to find resources to support you and your health as you love this person through this experience. You also need to be careful about your expectations for this individual and their recovery. You know, you're going to bring your own set of expectations. That's normal. We all do. But what I would encourage you to do is pray. You're going to need to pray and ask God to help you drop your expectations and leave them at the door because this individual is not going to meet them. I'm not saying that you need to give up hope or be discouraged. What I am saying is that your expectations for recovery and healing, they're going to be different than reality for this individual. And those expectations are going to get in your way. All right, I hope that wasn't too discouraging there at the end. I, I just wanted to give some insight because it's really valuable as far as the long haul and and the amount of frustration and hurt that you're going to experience based on those insights. Again, I'll say it again. There is hope for this individual, for you. If you're the person supporting this individual, there is so much hope for you. So please don't miss that. That's going to be it for this episode. Again, thank you for listening. Thank you for Uh, downloading this podcast. I hope that you will hit subscribe so that you will get notified of future episodes. If you would like to be kept up to date on things with this podcast or uh, things that I'm writing for my book, you can go to my website at craigbooker.com. Again, that's craigbooker.com.